This is an ABC podcast. The term metaverse has really just shot right up in terms of Google Trends. People are asking about it all over the place. Metaverse really creates this illusion of it's like the universe, but more than that, it's overlaid on top of it with whatever we can design to enhance this experience of being human. Facebook's record has shown that, you know, its habit is to acquire other companies and shut them down or crush them or absorb them in whatever way they possibly can. So when Zuckerberg talks about the metaverse trying to be interoperable or like everything kind of fits together, it's really hard to believe. It seems like Facebook would want to control this entire space no matter what. So what exactly is the metaverse? Well, at the moment, I can't give you a definitive answer to that question. But by the end of this program, no, I won't have an answer then either. What I can tell you definitively is that depending on your perspective, it's either a super cool vision of tomorrow or a load of infantile nonsense dreamt up by tech billionaires. Hello, Anthony Fennell here. Welcome to Future Tense. The term metaverse originates from a Neil Stevenson book back in the 90s called Snow Crash, and Neil Stevenson's a science fiction writer, and he painted this picture of a virtual world that people could jack into, much like William Gibson's cyberspace that many people are familiar with as well. And that's where we get the term from. Defining it is a little bit more tricky because it still remains a vision of something that is in the future rather than something that's already here. But how I like to define the metaverse is through the idea of extended reality. Dr Nick Kelly, Senior Lecturer in Interaction Design at the Queensland University of Technology. So most people are familiar with these ideas of augmented reality, so that's designing things that we can overlay on top of the physical world. So something like Pokemon Go is a great example of augmented reality. And people are also familiar with virtual reality, these ideas of designing whole worlds that perhaps you experience through virtual reality glasses in full 3D, or maybe it's even just a virtual world that you take part in as a game. And so that's extended reality, is overlaying onto our physical world or leaving our physical world to take part in a virtual reality. And the metaverse comes about when you think about what might happen if all of these different parts of extended reality were to come together into the one extended reality? So right now, there are hundreds of millions of people who play games in virtual worlds where they interact with each other and people that are using cryptocurrencies to do all kinds of transactions in virtual worlds and people interacting with their friends and community groups through social media platforms like Facebook? And what would happen if in the future, all of these things were to come together so that you were, say, one person in a very large and all-encompassing virtual slash augmented reality overlaid and persistent on top of our physical reality? So it's a bit of a catch-all phrase then. It brings all of those digital and social activities that we do into the one environment. I feel like it's an emergent term, similar to the way that the Internet of Things 
became a really useful term for the fact that all of these devices were emerging that were able to do useful things because they were connected to the internet. In a similar way, the metaverse is a useful catch-all term for what we might get from these different technologies that are all related to each other. And like the Internet of Things or the cloud, is there a lure or power in being extremely vague about details but sounding extremely important, you know, the next big thing? Absolutely, and I think that's why the term metaverse has really just shot right up in terms of Google Trends. People are asking about it all over the place. And academics have been talking about this trend for many years, usually using the term extended reality. But it's not a very good term because it it defines by what it isn't. It's saying it's like reality, but it's an extension to it. It's not very evocative and it, it doesn't give you an idea of where it goes. Whereas metaverse really creates this illusion of it's like the universe, but more than that, it's overlaid on top of it with whatever we can design to enhance this experience of being human. That's the narrative that's being woven around the metaverse. And Facebook CEO and founder Mark Zuckerberg finds that narrative so seductive, he recently declared that Facebook had begun the process of transforming itself into a metaverse company. Our overarching goal across all of these initiatives, he reportedly told staff, is to help bring the metaverse to life. Nick Kelly again. When Mark Zuckerberg talks about this, one way that I understand it is, first of all, Facebook already has over 3 billion users of the platform, and that's a huge amount of the human population. And they're constantly having to look ahead as to what the next version of a social network might look like. As we all learned through the rise of Facebook, through network effects, whoever gets there first when you're constructing a network has a huge advantage that really can't be overcome. And that's why Facebook has remained so dominant despite other people trying to start up social networks. And so they're trying to think, well, as we get new technologies, so we get 5G improving the mobile broadband networks and what people can do with it, as we get devices that perhaps make it possible to feel much more present when connecting with somebody online, what might that future look like and what might the future of social networks be? And for Facebook, they're thinking, well, how can we control that? And to give you some idea, Zoom is a technology that everyone's now familiar with, especially since the pandemic has hit. And that has around about 300 million users each day. And part of what Facebook is pursuing is what is the future of work? How will people interact in work meetings? And they've got their experimental platform, Facebook Horizon, up online to try and have a say in experimenting with what that will be. Our technology vision is putting people at the center of the computing experience. And a big part of how we do this is by building technology that advances uh, the the feeling of presence, right? So more immersive, um, getting the hardware out of the way, um, you know, better, natural, more UI, uh, better, more realistic avatars, which we'll talk about later. Uh, so that's one part of it. The other part is, is basically building the software experiences that put people at the center of the experience. And, you know, that's kind of our bread and butter as a company, right? We, we build a lot of... So there are all of these different motivations for the big companies like Facebook to try and 
be a part of shaping what this looks like. Fundamentally, to control it and to promote their particular model, which is based largely on advertising and data extraction from its users. So it's certainly a, the Facebook version of the metaverse is one that I'm extremely wary of. If you're out there, we need your help. The storm came. There are lots of different companies and they're all kind of jockeying to control even just the idea of the metaverse. My name is Kyle Cheka and I am a contributing writer at The New Yorker. Now, it's time to fight back. So some other companies might be Epic Games, which it makes the game Fortnite, this kind of like massive online shooting game. And then another one is Roblox, this kind of platform that children use actually to build their own video games. And so it's these different kind of virtual worlds and they're all kind of growing in tandem and competing with each other. The vision that many technologists have of the metaverse is of a place where assets can be moved between platforms. But we know from Facebook's background that that's not the kind of environment that Mark Zuckerberg feels comfortable in. Interoperability isn't in his lexicon, is it? No, I mean, Facebook's record has shown that, you know, its habit is to acquire other companies and shut them down or crush them or absorb them in whatever way they possibly can. So when Zuckerberg talks about the metaverse trying to be interoperable or like everything kind of fits together, it's really hard to believe. It seems like Facebook would want to control this entire space no matter what. You argue, don't you, that Zuckerberg aside, we're already, in a sense, on the road to a metaverse with the way the digital world works at the moment. Just explain that to us. The metaverse might be better described as like a process or an evolution rather than like a place that we end up reaching. I think what it means to me, at least, is this sense that our real identities and a lot of our lives are moving into digital space just as they exist in physical space. So, I mean, even now, you know, what you say on Facebook or your LinkedIn profile certainly influences the entirety of your life, not just the time that you spend on the internet. And a lot of people who do play video games pay real money for digital objects. And I think that's kind of a, a metaverse behavior. It's just we haven't reached this totally immersive, you know, full worlds that we spend time in yet. If we did end up in the future with this metaverse, as Zuckerberg sees it, what would be the implications for governance and also for democracy? It's a great question that I don't think anyone can quite answer. To me, it's like, I think these corporations are trying to dominate the discourse around the metaverse so that they can set the rules, so that Facebook can set the rules for its version of the metaverse, just like it sets the rules on Facebook. And we've already seen how the Facebook feed can totally distort people's political perceptions and can cause huge problems with misinformation and radicalization. So I would expect that, you know, in these kind of corporate metaverse spaces, we'd have all the same problems that we have on social media today. And they might even be worse because the experience is even more immersive. You might, you know, find your perceptions even more warped if you're actually sitting inside of Facebook. It's becoming maybe the biggest buzzword of the season. I would wager a prediction that it is probably going to be the next at least semi-durable buzzword and buzz term that kind of gets various 
projects and investment capital and initiatives attached to it over the next few years, just like big data or the Internet of Things or terms like this have in the recent past. Brian Merchant is a California-based technology author and journalist. And it has to be said, a bit of a metaverse sceptic. You'd think that a lot of folks would have learned a lesson or two over the last decade in sort of chasing some of these buzzwords and trying to rush in at all costs and sort of pour capital and investment dollars towards it. But it sure is looking to be the case that this is going to be another similarly lucrative play, as they say, for a fresh batch of startups and tech giants who are looking to get into new spaces. And it's my feeling that part of the usage of of metaverse and this constant desire to push new boundaries and pioneer new technologies, or at least give the impression that you're doing that, is to kind of move the focus off of any problems or turmoil at home. You know, Facebook is famously enmeshed in countless controversies and scandals at any given time these days. So saying we're going to do where we're going to embark upon the metaverse is one way of distracting from some of those unresolved issues like content moderation and misinformation and so forth. So the metaverse as a corporate diversion and quite possibly a misreading of the original vision. Let's go back a bit. We heard earlier that the term originated with sci-fi writer Neil Stevenson. But what exactly was his vision? So Neil Stevenson's novel Snow Crash is a deeply dystopian cyberpunk work of fiction where the world is extremely, extremely miserable. Most people are desperately poor. The protagonist is living in a sort of storage unit that he shares with a roommate who is desperate as he is and an alcoholic. And it paints a picture of a gig economy sort of presciently where workers who fail to deliver their pizzas or goods on time, they can be literally killed by the, I mean, it's it's intentionally cartoonish in its darkness. It is a violent vision of a crumbling world in which the only safe places to live are really either on a literal corporation or sort of what he calls the burb claves, which are these fortress areas where the suburbs used to be and they're weaponized and that you can keep people out. So this is the environment in which the metaverse is thriving, right? And he says it explicitly in the first few pages that people plug into the metaverse because reality is so bleak. It's so unbearable that they're forced into this digital environment. And it also bears saying that in the book, the digital environment itself is pretty dark and depressing. It's this anything goes place where it's highly ruthlessly capitalist and that people are buying up real estate and you can join rooms where people hunt each other for sport and indulge violence and drugs and people get hooked on the metaverse. And it's really a deeply unpleasant whole conception which was the point, you know, a lot of science fiction and speculative fiction, especially cyberpunk, plays with these ideas to kind of reflect the more alarming trends of the present at a given time. So this is what he was seeing coming down the pike. And it's just a little bit disconcerting to see the CEO of Microsoft, Mark Zuckerberg, you know, the CEOs of of Epic Games and all these uh, running these huge companies saying like, yeah, we want to do the metaverse with no self-awareness as to what that entails. 
I mean, the parallels to the present are, in my mind, unignorable. We are facing huge gulfs in income inequality. We're seeing wildfires and climate crises and all of these different things that were kind of hinted at in Stevenson's dystopia. And we have Zuckerberg saying, oh, let's do a metaverse, where it's a lack of self-awareness that is really kind of galling to me that you're making this the aspiration. We should just disappear into these digital worlds instead of acknowledging the issues with, with the present. So why would he and other Silicon Valley executives want to associate with that kind of world? Well, the short and simple answer is they thought it was cool. A lot of science fiction, you see this just as much with Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk and their sort of dreams of interstellar travel or of starting space colonies on Mars. A lot of that, you could trace it back to the science fiction that they consumed in their formative years. Guys like Mark Zuckerberg have talked about being inspired by this metaverse idea when they were young. I don't know if he said that he was really into Snow Crash specifically, but he has said that this idea has stuck with him. The Oculus division handed out copies of another metaverse science fiction, Ready Player One, which is very similar in its architecture and its sort of assumptions about the world where the present is rife with poverty and people plug into the metaverse, which is called the Oasis there, to escape. So they would literally hand this out to incoming employees to say, hey, this is what we're trying to do. And to someone like Zuckerberg, it's it's another environment where he can feel like he's maybe having an, or once felt like he was conquering or having an adventure. It was invigorating on some level. And the broader social commentary was ancillary or ignored altogether. I mean, the tech may be cool. It may do really interesting stuff. Facebook has done undoubtedly more to change the way we communicate and stay in touch than most other technologies or companies of the last 20 years. But it was all done with very little foresight or awareness or contemplation about what impacts it might have. And now we're playing catch up. They moved fast, they broke things, and they are now sort of trying to reckon with all of these damages that have been left in the wake. And the concern is that plowing ahead with the metaverse, where it's already clear many of the issues and contradictions that building such a thing would have, it's been envisioned by people for decades in that wholly sort of dystopian context. So it would behoove these founders, I think, to go back and revisit the source material and to say, okay, what is the full story? Because it absolutely applies again today. So this is also, this is early, uh, but this is another step towards building the kind of social infrastructure that we believe is going to be important in the future. So you should be able to hang out with your friends, join groups, uh, create events, share ideas uh, in VR, just like you can online. And of course, now you're gonna be able to do it with that added uh, feeling of presence, like you're right there with the people uh, who you're talking about that no other technology platform that has existed before delivers. We know that Silicon Valley companies, big technology companies, like to talk about how they're changing the world for good. But with Mark Zuckerberg, money is the bottom line, isn't it? It's advertising. Yeah, advertising is everywhere and also data extraction which is closely related to advertising because when you know a lot about people, then you can target ads and do all of those things that we've read about Facebook doing in the past, such as shaping elections and having quite a large political power over the world. 
Some people listening to this might be suspicious and think that this sounds like surveillance capitalism on steroids. Would that be unfair? I think that's very fair. And I think that that kind of caution should be encouraged. And I'd really invite people who are listening to consider what might the metaverse be if instead of devoting our attention to what people like Mark Zuckerberg are saying, we started to have that conversation of what might the metaverse be if it was to serve the public? How could we imagine this as the next iteration of a commons in which people came together in a way that serves human lives rather than serves the bottom line of these companies? You're with Future Tense on RN, ABC Radio National, exploring the world around us, looking for the pathways ahead and signposting the future. And today's topic, the metaverse, one possible vision of the world to come, a utopia or a dystopia. It depends on who you ask. I'm Anthony Fennell. A lot of people say I'm a Luddite or that I'm anti-technology, and I'm not. I'm a geek. I love technology. But it's a matter of whether it's used as a tool or a toy and and whether whether we control it or it controls us. Author and consulting psychologist, Dr. Jim Taylor. I think there are a lot of valuable practical aspects of it, just like as we know it now with the internet, you know, email is wonderful and texting and the ability to collaborate is incredible. It could be a very powerful tool. I think COVID actually has accelerated the process of this development of the metaverse because Zoom and Skype and other video calling technology and platforms have enabled us to still function in a world that was largely paralyzed and, and still is in many parts of the world. You know, everybody's zoomed out, they're over Zoom. But imagine with a metaverse where you're not just looking at a screen, you're actually in a room with your colleagues, wherever they are, in a conference room having a real discussion. And I put real in, in air quotes because it's not real completely, but you feel like you're there, which is a much better experience than being in a Zoom call in a Zoom meeting. The metaverse, if it was successfully created, would be a mediated environment, wouldn't it? How does that impact upon us as human beings and the way we interact with each other? Yeah, well, well, that's certainly a great concern. And just to preface it, a concern I do have also is that technology is advancing so quickly that the only time we get a chance to consider the implications on our lives as individuals, as communities, as global beings, is in the rearview mirror. And we learn that very powerfully politically in the US and with COVID as well that it can be a wonderful tool, technology, but it also can be a real problem. Now, diving into the idea of a, of a mediated uh, screen-connected uh, universe, first, I want to say that we might have to define, redefine what reality is, but I tend to see reality as a corporeal existence where we can touch, where we can smell, where we can feel. That is, for me, a definition, a key definition of reality now. And certainly, I'm sure in, in the distant future with the metaverse, we'll be able to smell and touch and feel things as well. But at least now in leading into a metaverse, the experience is not the same. It is mediated. It's virtual. And virtual means similar to, akin to, like, but it's not reality. And so the danger there is that people are missing things that are necessary to function in reality. And certainly in terms of child development, there are some real concerns about that. Because, for example, emotional intelligence, social skills, those are things that develop with practice. And if you're not engaging in person with people, you're not able to take in all the cues that are so essential for effective communication. 
And of course, in a mediated world, you're being steered in various directions. Well, that's a great insight, Anthony, because the fact is, is that the internet and technology, it's a box. It's a beautiful box that gives us many options, but it's still a box that we have to work within the, the options that the technology allows us. Whereas in the real world, we, we have unlimited potential options. And so that is another area where we miss out on the ability to experience life in its fullest form. And, and the fact is by, by ex experiencing life at a distance, whether it's with gaming or in the corporate world or in personal relationships, it's safer in a way, it's cleaner, it's simpler because there's always that screen between us and the other person. And there's always delete or exit that enables us to get out of those things. And the fact is, Anthony, that life is messy. And I mean that in a very positive way, because in a way it's the messiness that makes life interesting. If there was this perfect world, there wouldn't be choices, there wouldn't be extremes of anything. And it's those extremes that really give life its meaning, whether it's love or sometimes, yes, anger or frustration or pleasure or whatever it might be. And so that for me is the richness of life. And at this point anyway, and certainly in the foreseeable future, I don't see anything into with technology enabling us to truly replicate it, not just virtually or augmented, but really re make it real. So for all Mark Zuckerberg's money and influence, the old notion of build it and they shall come is far from certain. As technology analyst David Karp pointed out on a recent edition of Future Tense, the metaverse idea is predicated on the use of virtual reality technology. But the universal appeal of VR is yet to match the hype. It is no longer the case like it was in the 1990s that this is a wonderful dream, but the technology is not there yet. You can go out and for a few hundred dollars buy an Oculus Quest headset and play a bunch of VR games. We just lived through a year-long pandemic in which people with plenty of money were stuck inside and desperately needed an escape. And the result is some people have bought the Oculus Quest and they've used it to play a few games. They've used it, I think, to do maybe some online exercise routines. But it is still not broken through to the public. It's still nothing but a niche gaming device. And if it couldn't break through in our pandemic year, then I think we need to start wondering whether this really is nothing more than a niche gaming device. There were a few years, what, a decade ago, where 3D movies and 3D television were all the rage. A few years ago, people in Hollywood, people in tech and media, believed that we were headed towards this 3D world. And it turned out later that it was just a gimmick. It turned out that people didn't really want 3D in their experience. They just wanted good, compelling movies. I think in five years, we're probably going to have fancier VR headsets that are still just used for niche games. And the most popular games will probably still be games that you can easily play on your phone, easily play on your console, and deliver the best stories and the best experiences. And what we may find out is that while there's some circumstances in which it's really fun to have that immersive VR experience, it just doesn't build into the larger experience that they keep on betting on, that they keep expecting. If the metaverse was something that the world was craving, was ready to hook into, then I think particularly after 2020, when there was so much of an opportunity, I think the fact that it hasn't caught on yet might signal that we're just never going to get there. It's still a really niche proposition. Like I personally don't see that much of an appetite for it. I don't think virtual reality goggles that this requires are popular at all. And most people don't see any use for them. But I do think that we see these very popular video games like Roblox or Fortnite. And those are super popular as entertainment. And that kind of suggests that there could be spaces in the future 
that are more metaverse-like that, that are very popular. But again, I think it's more about entertainment and playing games and talking to your friends than it is about fully existing in virtual reality. Mark Zuckerberg seems to be very, very ambitious. I mean, the way that Jeff Bezos has like dominated the physical world, Mark Zuckerberg kind of dominates the digital world. And so I feel like if anyone could use their resources to build the metaverse or like encourage people to spend time in it, it's him. But I do think it's a misperception maybe of Silicon Valley that this is something that millions and millions of people want or need in their lives. Like, I think if we do end up spending time in a virtual reality space, it'll almost be because it was forced on us by these companies rather than out of some organic desire to be there. Understanding the metaverse, Carl Chaker there. We also heard today from Jim Taylor, Brian Merchant, David Karp and Nick Kelly. You've been listening to Future Tense. The producer was Karen Savanovitz and I'm Anthony Fennell. Cheers. You've been listening to an ABC podcast. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.